Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, March 16th. And we start, as always, with local news. Two important pieces of legislation concerning Murray County were due up in the House and Senate committees yesterday. The first was related to reclassifying a portion of the Duck River as a scenic waterway. The second bill was related to increasing building fees to alleviate the tax burden on growth. WKOM-WKRM's Delk Kennedy went to the Capitol yesterday to follow the bill's progress and got to speak with State Representative Scott Sapicki. This is Delk Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. Today I'm in the Tennessee State House of Representatives in the committee uh, hearing rooms. We've uh, had two bills come up which are of interest to Murray Countyans in these committees today. First in the House Agricultural and Natural Resources Committee, we've got the bill to designate Duck River as a Class II scenic river from Columbia to the county line. Uh, A huge group of people from Murray County showed up in support of that bill. I would estimate over 200 people. Uh, We had five people from Murray County, uh, farmers, business people, the county attorney testifying in favor of the bill. Of course, the committee members were made aware that the Murray County Commission and the Murray, I mean, the Columbia City Council have unanimously endorsed the Scenic River Bill. Uh, The head of Columbia Power and Water uh, testified that it is important to have this classification of the river to protect the water source for Murray County and surrounding uh, regional water supply. This stretch of the river supplies about 300,000 people with their water. I'm speaking with our representative, State Representative Scott Specky. Scott, what happened today? Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you to all the people from Murray County to come up to show support. It means a lot. You know, we thought we ran a bill a couple weeks ago that was really not that big a deal. It was to make the, the most biodiverse river in the state of Tennessee a scenic river to protect it for future generations. And this has blown up into a big issue. Uh, one of the owners of, of the Monsanto company, has come, or the old Monsanto property, has come forward claiming that we're violating his property rights, which is just not true. Um, we have an obligation to protect the water resource and the water source for 300,000, like you said, Tennesseans who currently use it. We know that number is going to continue to grow, and plus the 200,000 people annually that use the Duck River for recreation. So we are uh, uh, very positive that our bill is going to come out protecting the Duck River, but this is the process, and unfortunately, uh, these citizens are going to have to come back up next week, and we're going to continue this debate in the committee, and hopefully we can get a vote next week to protect our water source. Uh, Senator Hensley has already gotten this passed in the Senate with no debate, no questions, and it passed uh, this Monday on consent calendar. So the Senate's kind of looking at us, figuring out what's going on, because there was not a big deal here. And so we just got to make sure that we drive home that this is to protect the water source. It's not infringing on anybody's rights. And we will come back up next week and we will present the bill again and continue to debate to protect uh, Murray County's uh, citizens and the Duck River. And Scott, as I understand it, the bill was continued until next week in front of the same committee. And as I understand it, that was not a judgment by the committee on the bill one way or the other. Uh, They just ran out of time and had to relinquish their uh, meeting room to another committee. That is correct. We're allowed an hour and a half for our committees. Uh, Unfortunately, there was a bill right before us that drew a lot of attention from the the committee, which ate up about 45 minutes. But uh, hopefully we will be put first on the agenda next week and we will will leave off right where we were. uh, with our with our citizens up there testifying and answering questions, and maybe we can get everybody to a point that this becomes a water issue and we, and we put this to bed. 
And secondly, though, right across the hall, there was also to be a hearing today on what's called the Property Taxpayers Protection Bill, known in some circles as impact fees. Uh, that was continued as well. Uh, what happened there, Scott? Uh, we don't have the votes right now. Um, we are trying to work this out with the committee. Um, committee members are bouncing back and forth one day to the next, one hour to the next, yes, no. And we know that if we ever take a vote and it's voted down, it kills the bill for the whole rest of the, uh, the General Assembly. So we are being very cautious with this. Uh, we did roll it a week. It'll be back up next week, but we will have to present it next week. So uh, we will continue to work hard. There's a lot of county commissioners up here working the hallways. I saw Mayor Butt walking around. We are working this committee very hard trying to show that this is so important for not only Murray County but other counties of high growth areas to allow the citizens of Murray County to not be burdened with these uh, property tax increases because of growth. We can let the builders and let the people who come to Murray County start to share that burden. And I think what you're telling us is that the session of the legislature this year is coming to a close, and so next week would be the last week the committee meets. So if it doesn't happen next week, then next year. Well, sort of, yes. Um, we're out of rolls, so we're only allowed three rolls on the calendar. This will do it for us. And so we have got to present the bill next week unless the committee grants us some some um, some leniency and, and does a committee roll themselves. I would think that, the, that this parity bill, the Taxpayer Protection Act, will come to a vote next Next week because we have to do it, and then next week we're on we're on a, uh, an issue with the Duck River that'll probably be voted on next week too. Will it be as important next week as it was obviously was today for people from Murray County who support the Scenic River? for them to show up uh, and show their support again next week. Absolutely. I was on the county commission in 2013 when we protected the Duck River the first time and passed the overlay to protect it, and the amount of support from the community swayed a lot of votes. And up here in this committee, you're not dealing with county commissioners who live in your area. You're dealing with representatives who live all over the state that really don't understand how important this is. And so by seeing that community support of people taking time out of their day to come up here and support this legislation, it's starting to yield things into our favor of the committee starting to see that, hey, this is important to the locals because they're here to show that. Yes, and I, I, I could see that the committee was impressed by the number of people from Murray County who had showed its support, and to the best of my knowledge, there was not a single person in there from Murray County who was opposed. Uh, well, not from Murray County, but there's people who own Murray County property who are opposed. They were sitting in the front row, and we won't talk about them. Okay, gotcha. Okay, again, Delp Kennedy, uh, Front Porch Radio. I'm at the Tennessee House of Representatives Committee hearings uh, talking to Representative Scott Sapecki. Uh, we have had uh, testimony and questions in front of the Agricultural and Natural Resources Committee on the Duck Scenic River classification. A lot of discussion and more discussion next week, and we hope for a positive vote at that time. And on the impact fees or the Property Taxpayer Protection Act, we're up in the air on that. We'll find out next week as well. Scott, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you coming up. Columbia Fire and Rescue received a grant of $514,050 last week through the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, to provide funding directly to fire departments to increase emergency response staffing in communities nationwide. According to FEMA.gov, the SAFER grant, which stands for Staffing for Adequate Fire and Emergency Response, was created to fund fire departments and volunteers to increase the number of trained frontline firefighters. U.S. Representative Scott Desjardins said in a press release, The Columbia Fire Department has some of the finest public servants working on behalf of their community. 
In 2018, I voted to secure more funding for the Columbia Fire Department so they would have the proper resources to serve the men and women of of their city. I thank all first responders for their many sacrifices to make and ensure our safety. Desjardins represents Tennessee's 4th Congressional District, which included parts of Murray County until the most recent redistricting. The $514,000 award amount will cover both salary and benefits for three new emergency response staffers for three years through March 2026, coming at no cost to the city of Columbia. Fire Chief Ty Cobb said his department has seen an increase in emergency response calls on the north side of the city, specifically at Fire Station 5 in Neapolis and Fire Station 3, located off Bear Creek Pike. With the new Ultium battery plant site in Spring Hill, Chief Cobb said emergency calls will only increase. With a recent increase in local development comes the increase in demand for emergency response, Cobb said. This grant allows for us to continue to provide the best possible emergency response for our citizens as we adjust to accommodate future growth. Spring Hill planners approved final development plans for a new Publix this week, which would be located in the town center district near the upcoming I-65 interchange at Buckner Lane. The proposed Publix grocery store site will consist of about 7.2 acres on Jim Warren Road. Philip Piercy, representing applicant Catalyst Design Group, said the current design has been updated to address previous issues, such as parking, building materials, and water and sewer. The grocery store will also be built out over multiple phases, the first addressing roadway improvements to the area. The Publix will consist of the typical aspects of the popular grocery chain, such as a main grocery store, drive through pharmacy, as well as 13,000 square feet of additional retail space. Josh Rowland of Kimley Horn Design Group said he expects all parts of Phase 1 to be completed by the first quarter of 2024. He added that he hopes the Publix will be completed prior to adjacent multifamily developments coming to the area. That way, the new residents will have a place to shop once they move there. The intent is to both complete the infrastructure before it is needed for the development and to make sure you have those big-ticket commercial items ahead of the multifamily, Roland said. Publix's final development plans were ultimately approved on Monday in a unanimous vote. The long-debated topic of fireworks displays in Spring Hill has come to a conclusion with a vote last week to allow fireworks to be displayed on Christmas while adding the potential for permitting on certain religious holidays but restricting them on Memorial Day. The vote was part of a larger fire code update, which also included much-needed safety updates that outline the standards that are otherwise not addressed in other city codes. According to the city staff memo, revisions were necessary due to several section and subsections containing outdated material and references, references that were no longer valid. The section on the public display of fireworks, however, was a hotly debated topic for several meetings, prompting at least one citizen to speak publicly about the matter. Spring Hill resident and retired Air Force veteran Vince Reed, who works with veterans through the VA, spoke about the effects of fireworks among veterans during the meeting. He noted how veterans suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder can be adversely affected by the noise, sights, and smells from fireworks. Reed told the story of a Marine veteran who moved into his neighborhood and confided, confided in him about his PTSD, but moved away from his home in mere months due to a problem with fireworks in the community. It wasn't just an explosion, it was a party, Reed said. 
every year around New Year's and Fourth of July and most alarmingly Memorial Day, my neighborhood blows up for days on end. My introduction to it happened on Memorial Day 2019. I was shocked to hear fireworks on this day, meant not for celebration, but for solemn remembrance for those who gave their lives in combat for our freedom. Memorial Day is not a day for celebrations. It is a day for remembering. It is not the first day of the summer blowout at the expense of the peace of your neighborhood. Reed said celebrations with fireworks are out of control in the city, especially if you have one immature and inconsiderate neighbor who invites a 100 non-residents to their house for a big block party, he said. For the people, it is their American birthright and freedom to do as they please. My response is that your freedom ends at your property line and certainly at mine. Reed advocated for a centralized display of fireworks sponsored by the city, but an amendment proposed by Alderman Trent Linville passed to remove Memorial Day from the approved days, while still allowing for display on Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, July 4th, and religious holiday exceptions. Establishing a proper ordinance for food trucks and mobile vending took a step forward this month, updating the City of Columbia's current codes in a way that government and business owners can agree. The subject of having an official city ordinance to regulate these mobile businesses has been a subject of contingency for several years, mostly because the food truck boom hit Columbia before any regulations were on the books. In other words, the city was navigating in uncharted territory. I've seen success in this in small towns and large towns, and I've seen some failures too. Brian Matthews, owner of Jefferson's Restaurant with 23 years of experience in the mobile vending business, said, The failures are due to the fact there is a lack of communication among the individuals who operate those trucks. But the vast majority of the successes have been because small business owners are passionate about what they are doing, he said. Earlier this month, the city's planning commission revisited the current ordinance, discussing several proposed updates. Proper hours of operation, size restrictions on trucks, and days of the week trucks can operate are among the proposed updates to the ordinance. We just want something that is respected and is good for both sides. Abe Everett, founder of Abe's Barbecue Smokehouse and Mule Town Pizza, said at the meeting, There are a few things we can always improve on, he said. The proposed changes city staff was in favor include eliminating size restrictions for vehicles, eliminating plot plan requirements, eliminating permission letters to operate unless a dispute arises between the vendor and property owner, the allowance of food trucks to operate in the downtown district or public areas, listings which would be published every 90 days by the city, and properly defining what a food truck is. In addition, food truck vendors also provided a few suggestions for changes. However, city staff said they weren't in favor of them. Food truck vendors have previously advocated for eliminating the four-day operating rule, eliminating hard surface requirements, and allowing for vending in residential areas. Everett said the four-day rule in particular can have a negative impact on certain businesses that operate on the same property, such as Loose Wheels Food Truck, which sells their famous smash burgers in the alley of Briarworks Pipe Factory. He also stressed the importance of being able to operate in residual, I'm sorry, residential areas for events like fundraisers, which have proven successful in the past. If it wasn't for the residents in this community, we wouldn't be here today as a business, Everett said. I can say that very definitively. The people of Columbia are why I am here, he said. The item was ultimately deferred until the Planning Commission's April meeting due to a lack of information regarding mobile kitchens, which city leaders hope to include in the final proposal. 
Once the final vote is taken, it will then move on to Columbia City Council, which will make the final decision on any changes wished to be made in the ordinance. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. Virgil Haney, 87, a resident of Sunset Lane, died Saturday, March 11th at his residence. Funeral services will be conducted on Thursday at 1 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Allen Cemetery in Caney Springs. Ms. Grayson Carol Mabry, 55, a retired counselor for J.E. Woodard Elementary, died Saturday, March 11th in Nashville. Funeral services for Ms. Mabry will be conducted on Thursday at 3.30 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. Mr. Daryl Vinson, 69, a former resident of Columbia and a resident of Roswell, Georgia, died Tuesday, March 7th in Georgia. Funeral services are incomplete at this time and will be announced later by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness, and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people, and we work hard to do things well. But we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have a mix of clouds and sun today with increasing cloudiness throughout the day. The high will reach 67 degrees with winds out of the south at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect rain showers early that will evolve into more steady rain overnight. The low will be 53 degrees with winds out of the south at 10 to 20 miles per hour. The chance of overnight rain, 100%, with rainfall amounting to about a quarter of an inch. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm residents 
residential and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwenGroup or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter. Like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello friends, this is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you have given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Tennessee has lots of buried pipelines, so it's important to know the signs of a leak, like if you smell unusual odors or hear hissing, see bubbling earth or water, or dead or dying vegetation. Some signs are even harder to miss, like dirt being blown into the air, a frost ball in an open field, or a flame coming from the ground. If you see any of these signs, don't wait. Leave the area immediately and call 911 or your pipeline company. For more tips on pipeline safety, visit pipesafety.org. A message from the Tennessee Gas Association, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Legislation to allow the public to understand how Tennessee buys lethal injection drugs is floundering as the state correction department lobbies against it behind the scenes. The legislation, House Bill 870, would remove an exemption in Tennessee public record law, which allows the state to hide how it procures drugs for lethal injection. The exemption allows the state to protect the names of pharmacists and the manufacturers of the drug cocktail used in implementing capital punishment. The bill comes on the heels of intense public scrutiny over Tennessee's lethal injection protocol. Last year, the state halted executions because it failed to appropriately test the execution drugs. If the Department of Corrections has nothing to hide, its new commissioner should allow the public to see these records, said Deborah Fisher, the executive director of Tennessee Coalition for Open Government. Lawmakers passed the lethal injection records exemption after several drug manufacturers banned pharmacists from using their drugs to carry out capital punishments. 
Fisher said by shielding these records, the public can't know if a pharmacist is following the drug maker's rules. If the compounders are using drugs in violation of the pharmaceutical companies and they need the state to pass the law to keep it secret, that's wrong, she added. The state doesn't need to be potentially enabling fraud. Representative Justin Lafferty of Knoxville and Senator Mark Pody of Lebanon, both Republicans, are sponsoring the bill. The legislation was taken off notice in a House committee, meaning its chances of passing are slim. Lawmakers are also debating whether to add firing squads as another form of carrying out the death penalty. The legislation, House Bill 1245, is moving through the State House, but is so far stalled in the Senate. Representative Dennis Powers, a Republican from Jacksboro, and Senator Frank Nicely, a Republican from Strawberry Plains, are sponsoring that legislation. Governor Bill Lee ordered an independent investigation into the state's execution protocol after halting all executions last year. The state hired former U.S. Attorney Edward Stanton to lead the probe and released it in December. It found just one pharmacy in Texas was willing to create the execution cocktail, and the Department of Correction relied on one staff member to procure the drugs while providing them with little professional guidance. Tennessee law requires lethal injection as the primary method of execution, but those convicted and sentenced before 1999 can choose electrocution. Registration for the second Middle Tennessee State University College of Basic and Applied Sciences summer STEM camp will begin this week. This summer, from June 19th through the 23rd, the college will triple the number of participants and increase the number of faculty and departments involved with the camp, highlighting science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Students entering grades 9 through 12 can come to the camp and receive a taste of biology, chemistry, math, science education, physics, and engineering technology through fun activities and events with actual professors in a college setting. The in-person camp will run from 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. daily. Registration before April 15th will be $200 per person and include meals, activities, trips, supplies, t-shirts, and more. The fee after April 15th will be $250. The registration deadline is May 15th. To register, visit www.mtsu.edu forward slash CBAS forward slash CBAS STEM summer camp dot PHP. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Are you looking for a fun event to take the family to? Harmon Scrap Metal is hosting an Easter egg hunt on April 8th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Woodland Park in the Fallen Heroes Shelter. This will be fun for the whole family. We will have food trucks, prizes, and photos with the Easter Bunny. Come on out and support local. Start times vary by age. Visit our Facebook page, Harmon Scrap Metal, for more information. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. The Nashville Zoo is transporting guests back in time with its new prehistoric adventure, Dino Trek. It features a wooded trail and more than 20 life-size animatronic dinosaurs. The event runs between now and July. The dinosaurs come in all shapes and sizes and even spit. The newest one is a whopping 23 feet tall. The dinosaurs made their grand return last year after nearly a decade. This year, visitors can spot a Tyrannosaurus rex egg along the trail that is expected to hatch sometime soon. The zoo is inviting guests to guess the date and time of its hatching, with the winner receiving a free household membership to the zoo. Admission to Dino Trek is $4 per person. Children under 2 years old are free. Tickets will be available for purchase at the zoo's entry village and at the entrance to the exhibit. You can learn more by visiting www.nashvillezoo.org. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRN Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I am Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.